This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Ladies and gentlemen, it's bowl season. All right, here we go. It's the most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer It's the most wonderful time of the year What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. This is the College Football Bowl Betting Preview Part two. I'm um, stuck in with me as always is Colin Wilson. It's a shame he won't be able to talk about two and eight South Carolina, who is no longer playing in their bowl this weekend. I can't believe they, they accepted a bowl. I, yeah, Bobo, I, I listen that that program, sometimes you just need to wipe the chalkboard clean, start over. Uh, and I think that's what needs to happen there. But hey, we still are blessed with a Western Kentucky-Georgia State, which I think was like an initial Cure Bowl rematch from a couple of years ago. Some of these teams that are playing in bowls, it's uh, you know finding a motivation, finding players that are in. Uh, Tulane, Tulane was a prime example of that. You know, we've got defenses missing everybody. We got uh, COVID, coach, we got coordinators swooping in and picking up the playbook two days later. The bowl season is here. Yeah, speaking of that, there's going to be a ton of opt-outs. Uh, insane amount. We talked about this before. What's the point in playing? Like, you don't even get to go out. You don't get – there's no fans. So, if you have, you know, a chance to go to the next level, you might <clears throat> opt out. And we see that anyway in a normal year, but especially this year. We saw it with Tulane. We're going to see it with a lot of teams we're going to talk about this weekend and throughout bowl season. You know, Georgia, what are they missing? Like a seven, eight starters are going to opt out. Kyle Pitts opted out for Florida. Who knows who else will opt out for them when it's all said and done. Kyle Trask said – He's most likely 100% going to play. Not sure what that means. We have a tracker on the app uh, that will update, an Action Network app that will update that all throughout bowl season. So make sure you check that out. It's a big deal too, right? Because Marlon Williams was out for Central Florida and Dylan, Dylan Gabriel couldn't hit anybody for a long time. Two lanes missing three of their top four tacklers, three of their top four quarterback hurry guys. Obviously, it showed on the defensive line. So go to the Action Network and read that tracker. When you guys wake up in the morning and want to place bets on the day of the bowl, that's going to be a huge piece for all of us. I mean, Tulane, look, that was their biggest advantage in that game was going to be their pass rush. And then you have two first-team all-conference players and their starting defense tackle that were out. That was big. But you had North Texas get drilled by App State. BYU, Zach Wilson looked great. I was shocked that UCF couldn't score more. I feel bad for late overbackers in that game. Uh, BYU then takes a knee at the doorstep, but credit to BYU. They looked really impressive. I'm just the, the happiest I am was uh, this game going on right now is Georgia Southern. I got the fade La Tech. They got destroyed. It's been a fun bowl season. It feels like years have passed. Uh, lots of wild turnovers, uh, teams that are motivated, team coaches that have been missing. Uh, but so far, you know, and I think it's just going to get even wilder as we get going on here because the opt-outs, you know, Army getting into a bowl with West Virginia. I know that's not on our slate for this one, but I couldn't be more excited. I think Army will be the most focused and prepared team of any of any bowl team out there. We will get to that. Service Academies historically have been great bets. We'll talk about that on our podcast. It'll come out Monday morning when we'll preview next week's bowl games, and then we'll have a weekend bowl betting preview later next week for the college football playoff semifinals and the bowls that will be played that weekend. Today, we're going to go through, this is your one-stop shop, this podcast for all of your bowls. We're going to go through all five bowls this upcoming weekend in depth. We have one on Christmas Eve, Thursday. We have one on Christmas Day, Friday. And we have three on Saturday. We were going to have four, but unfortunately UAB won, finally won Conference USA doesn't get to play anyone in a bowl after getting matched up with uh, a two and eight South Carolina team. <laughs> he's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's gonna find out who's low and nice. 
right, let's start off on Christmas Eve. This is what you're all going to be doing and focused on when maybe you're with your families, maybe not this year. 3.30 Eastern on ESPN, Houston and Hawaii uh, for the New Mexico Bowl in Texas. So 2020, Houston, 10.5-point favorite at BetMGM over under 60.5. This is the first time since the 2008 Sugar Bowl. Remember Hawaii got trucked by Georgia that Hawaii will play a bowl game away from the island. Uh, these two teams actually met once before in 2003, Hawaii Bowl. Hawaii won in triple overtime, 54-48. to 48. It was Kevin Cobb versus Timmy Chang. Those names should ring a bell to some of you. Dana Holgerson hasn't won a bowl since the 2015 Cactus when he was back at West Virginia. And Houston, as a program, hasn't won a bowl since the 2015 Peach Bowl. Houston's been, it's been a weird season. They've had the most cancellations They've had more cancellations than any team in the country. They've only played once since November 14th, a 30-27 to loss at Memphis. The biggest mismatch when I look at this game is Houston's defensive line, you know, 9.9% sack rate, ranked ninth in the country. Really good defensive line. Hawaii's offensive line is awful. Houston has some talented pieces on that defense. So, you know, Marcus Jones and Demar- Demarion Williams at corner. But they're going to be missing some key pieces here, which, again, opt-outs. Their star receiver – their deep threat and their big returner, Marcus Stevenson, he opted out. Their leading tackler, linebacker Grant Stewart, he opted out. And their sack leader, Peyton Turner, who's just – I mean, he led the AAC in tackles for loss per game. He's a, just a stud at defensive end. He opted out as well. And Dana Holgerson has hinted that 15 to 20 players could be out due to eligibility, COVID, and preparation for the NFL draft. So we don't know who else. Hawaii just has all I know is Miles Reed, their running back. He is in the transfer portal, so it'll be up to freshman Day Day Hunter at running back. The Hawaii run defense is really bad. 115th in the nation in yards per rush allowed, opportunity rate, power success rate. However, Houston's not they're not really that prolific of a running team. Only seven runs of, of 20 plus yards in seven games. They're averaging 4.3 yards per carry. That's 68th in the nation. I'm not sure that they could take advantage. And I just don't know if Houston I mean, what this comes down to, to me, I like Hawaii anything over 10. These opt-outs are big for Houston. I'm just not sure how much Houston will care. With all these players opting out, they could have more out. It's kind of like a signal to me. It's just been a mess of a year. It feels like they just want to get it over with. Whereas Hawaii, first-year coach in a bowl game, you know, it's. I think that they will care here. It'll be up to Cordero, and I think it'll be easier for him with these opt-outs on the Houston defense what do you see here? Yeah, I agree with you completely. Uh, you know, the the motivation for Houston, we don't know where that's going to be at here. Uh, the line uh, continues, the market continues to dip on the Cougars uh, as if, you know, they're not going to show up at all. Uh, but when you get a little bit deeper into the numbers, like how big of a loss is Marquez Stevenson? Uh, you know, he turned over punt return duties and kick return duties over to their cornerback this year. Uh, and he's just been absolutely outstanding. Um, I think Stevenson had, I don't know, I think 25 targets on the season, but seven other players on the Houston's team had over 20 targets. And Clayton Toon is, you know, going to be playing the game and he's dual threat. He had 13 TDs and five on the ground. I, I, I know Houston may come in not motivated, but the players that are going to be on the field, I feel like will be motivated. And the question is, is whether that talent that Houston has is enough to beat a Hawaii team that had an 80 uh, strength of schedule that was 89th. Uh, you know, against the Mountain West. Houston strength of schedule, by the way, 57th. This is being played at Toyota Stadium, if you're not familiar with that. Um, that is where the FCS national title is. I didn't see any, you know, this is gonna, game is going to be any faster. They said the surface is more of a fairway green uh, in pristine condition, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I don't think it affects the over-under whatsoever. Hawaii has been an interesting case study this year. Uh, they went from a run-and-shoot 10 personnel into a 20 personnel with the go-go offense and just throw all the formations and the numbers away. It's Siobhan Cordero. Uh, he's thrown for almost 2000 yards and he accounts for 36% of Hawaii's rushing yards. Uh, and really all their offense has been is Cordero's designed runs and scrambles for explosive runs and converting third downs. I mean, they have a very long uh, yards to go distance on third down. So really it's been a lot of clutch Cordero uh, and that's all been happening on the island, uh, away from the island. Hawaii's had uh, all three unders, just not the same team when they've been on the road. And so uh, if you look at the advanced stats, Houston's going to give up a few Cordero runs, but they're going to be have a lot of success in getting that offense off of the field. They're going to have a ton of pressure, ton of pressure on Siobhan Cordero during passing downs. Houston is 
top 10 in the nation in sack rate. Uh, where they're bad is their pass coverage. They are dead last in pass coverage, which means Cordero, he's going to hit his passes and he's going to be able to break explosive runs. I think the Houston angle with the opt-outs and the motivation, I personally think that that's going to take control of the market leading up to this game. And I'm going to be the last one to buy a Houston number after the dip ends. Uh, I took an under 60 and a half early when this bowl game came out, uh, mostly because I have projected the number down at 54. The fact that Cordero is going to run a lot is going to take a lot of time off the board. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, Clayton Toon and Houston, they are very much flurry of points. You think about that BYU game, I think they scored like 24 straight and then gave up like 30 straight. Houston just has this ability to have three possession, three scores in a row, and then not score again for an entire quarter or an entire half. Uh, I have it projected at eight. If I can get them at eight, I'll take it. One thing that I'll point out to you is you still don't know who these other opt-outs are going to be. So, yeah. Keep an eye on that. and who, But uh, the loss of Turner and, and Stewart against this Hawaii offensive line is big, uh, especially Turner. I mean, he's really, really good, legit NFL prospect. And then Stevenson is their, you know, their kick returner ace. He's their big – he's their deep threat down the field. I still think Houston will be able to move the ball in, in Clayton Toon, that intermediary range especially. But uh, I worry about where Houston is mentally. Um, yeah. It's going to be in the write-up on, on Action Network, but the name you need to look for is cornerback Marcus Jones. He's the one that's been returning punts and yeah. kickoffs. Troy, he was, he was a great returner at Troy. If I'm looking for an opt-out name on Houston, they're the name that will two names that will keep me from buying Houston on the dip is going to be cornerback Marcus Jones and quarterback Clayton Toon. So I am going to wait until probably 30 minutes and then kick to make a decision. Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring, ting, tingling too. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. All right, let's move on to Christmas Day. We have the Camellia Bowl, 2.30 Eastern on ESPN. Marshall taking on Buffalo in the historic Crampton Bowl in downtown Montgomery. At BetMGM right now, Buffalo is out to a five-and-a-half-point favorite, over under 54. Marshall and Buffalo were actually MAC rivals from 99 mm-hmm. to 2004. Marshall used to dominate the Mac back in the day. Buffalo is playing its fifth bowl game in school history. They won their first bowl game last year over Charlotte, uh, 31-9 in the Bombers Bowl, dominated. The Herd are 12-3 and all-time in, in 15 bowl games, 80% winning percentage. That's the highest winning percentage nationally among teams with at least six bowl games. Doc Holliday, who's been money in bowls, saw his six-game bowl winning streak end last year. Uh by the way, bowl trivia here, Marshall was involved in the highest-scoring bowl game ever, 64-61 in the 2001 GMAC Bowl. They were down 30 at the half and came back to win. The quarterbacks in that game over East Carolina, the quarterbacks in that game, two future Jaguar quarterbacks, Byron Lefwich and David Garrard. Lefwich in that game for Marshall finished 41 of 70 for 576 yards. Ridiculous. But if you look at these two teams – Marshall led the nation in scoring defense, second in rushing defense, third in total defense. They have a great front seven, defensive end Darius. Taj, their D-tackle Edwards. They have great linebackers, too. Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year, Devontae Beckett. They have Neal and Bopan up there as well. However, it's worth noting that Beckett opted out. Uh, They have two solid safeties, too, in Drayton and Johnson. Their numbers were great, but the schedule was disgusting. Buffalo, their offensive numbers are stupid. Silly, and Jared Patterson went off. But again, the schedule was a joke. We talked about this before the MAC championship game. Their offensive line was rating as like the number one offensive line in every category, but they played a bunch of clowns in the MAC before they played Ball State. Offense still did well against Ball State. They have Patterson and Marks in the backfield. None is your your threat at wide receiver. So it's still a good offense, and they have a pro prospect on the offensive line. It doesn't look like anyone's going to opt out for Buffalo. Whereas with Marshall. And that includes Patterson, who I thought might opt out. For Marshall, you have their leading rusher, Knox, one of their best offensive linemen, who's a pro prospect. Their tackle is opting out. And Beckett, the Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year, is opting out. These two teams kind of mirror each other in a way. Marshall started, you know, Buffalo went undefeated, went on the match championship game, 14-0, then lost. Marshall was 7-0, ranked 15th in the country, and then melted down. Grant Wells forgot how to play quarterback. He had five picks against Rice in a 20 to nothing loss, and then he was 0 of 10 in the first half against UAB. The team, like, how can you look that good? I know the competition wasn't great to looking, like, completely inept. Well, there's a lot of rumors 
in Huntington uh, about what's going on with this team. You know, they canceled their Char- their Charlotte game late in the year, and they just have looked completely lost in their past two games. There's rumors of like fights breaking out in the parking lot. You know, suspensions, arguments, the seniors not liking what's going on, and uh, that would explain what the hell has happened with this Marshall team. So I want no part of Marshall right now, especially with the opt-outs. Both teams have great numbers. Their schedules are jokes, though, so you have to take them with a grain of salt. You know, obviously they're two top 15 defenses in third downs and, and a lot of different categories. Buffalo's defense, I think, is more vulnerable with their numbers suggest because of the schedule. They have some talent. Gaddafi right at linebacker. Coons is great off the edge. But with these Marshall opt-outs and the, the rumors kind of swirling about what's going on with Marshall, I, I – I've been reading some on message boards. I, I tend to believe them. It would explain a lot of what's going on with this team. And then throw in that Grant Wells has a, seemingly forgot how to play quarterback, forgot how to complete a pass. So I want no part of Marshall here. The line is taking off. I threw Buffalo in a couple money line parlays. I think they win this game. I think Marshall is reeling. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, and I took Marshall right away, uh, you know, once odds were listed on this at three and a half. And the reason was because if Patterson was going to miss this game after getting gator rolled uh, by Ball State, uh, I figured this number would probably come back to where I projected, which is around a pick. And sure enough, Patterson's just fine. And Patterson, as of Tuesday in the practice report, was warming up with no issues on the sidelines, did not partake in practice, but got warm and stretched on the sidelines, and he will be playing in the Camellia Bowl. I mean, I'm not calling bullshit on that, but why? Like, really, like, you miss the rest of your conference championship game and you're going to play the Camellia Bowl on Christmas Day when you could be declaring for the NFL draft with, you know, some of the greatest highlights we've seen in college football history. He's extremely important to this Buffalo team. I mean, he's second in the nation in elusiveness. He's fourth in the nation in, in yards after contact. You know, Stuck mentioned it. We said this in the preview against Ball State. Uh, the schedule is one of the worst in the country, but so is Marshall. I mean, Marshall's 128th strength of schedule. Buffalo's 135th. So I really jumped the gun on Marshall. They were expecting Jared Patterson not to play. I'm, I'm a little shocked that he is. And then the opt-outs. Yeah, and then the opt-outs came on the Marshall side, which I think all of that news, and that would be their leading running back, Brendan Knox, linebacker Tavante Beckett, Beckett you mentioned. I think all of that news is the reason why this number has moved from three and a half up to five. And, and frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if it moved a little bit more. So, you know, if, when we talk about Wells, it's interesting. He started off the, the game 0 for 10 uh, against UAB. I mean, just pathetic. And, you know, he had missed a couple of weeks leading into Rice, five interceptions. And then, you know, a couple of weeks go by and then we get into the game against UAB and he starts off 0 for 10. So I don't know if we're blaming it on his focus or the fact that he was out of rhythm and hadn't played like a couple gaps in between his games. Uh, He did finish the game 8 of 13 after the 0 for 10 start. He went 8 for 13, had two TDs. Uh, But, you know, the fact is that UAB held Marshall to 3 of 15 on third and fourth downs. Uh, That UAB defense is not Buffalo's defense. So I will say that Marshall should have a little bit more offensive success here, even without their running back. They do have two backups, you know, that can take the place of Knox. The linebacker, Devontae Beckett, I know that he has plenty of tackles and people view that as as a big loss. Uh, But, you know, nobody had more missed tackles on the team than Beckett. And as far as the two backup running backs, Sheldon Evans and Knowledge McDaniel, they both had higher yards after contact. And they both combined for more avoided tackles and 100 less attempts versus Brandon Knox. So from a personnel standpoint with the opt-outs, I think the backups fill fill in really nice for Marshall here. So I always believe in Doc Holliday. Six and one against spread and bulls, and that one loss was last year against Central Florida. I'm not really sure that was fair. Now, I know they didn't cover the spread, but Central Florida was firing on all cylinders, and Marshall was just not – nowhere near prepared to take on that central Florida offense. I know point spread matters, but um, so I do believe in Doc Holliday. I think he'll have his team ready. I think the people behind the opt-outs on the Marshall side will be good to go. I am going to wait for Patterson to actually see if he is on the field in warmups and taking snaps. If it is, and the line goes up even higher, I may be forced to fire on Marshall again. I like the fact that Grant Wells is playing two weeks in a row here. I, I would like to believe that the 0 for 10 last week and the five interceptions against Rice was because of a huge gap in scheduling. 
So I'm going to stick on the Marshall side here and stick with Doc Holliday, and hopefully he can you know clear out the noise that's going on with this team. And even if it means getting rid of a few starters, uh, at least let the seniors have a good day here to end the season. I disagree with you. Now, look, in bowls, with some, sometimes it comes down to motivation and – Sometimes you're guessing on it, right? You don't know what you no one knows for sure what's going in in the locker room. Sometimes you're going to be right, sometimes you're going to be wrong. You hope that you're right more times than not when you actually factor that into your capping. Everything I've read and these opt-outs, look, they're they're first team all conference left tackle as well. Yeah. Ball is opting out. Um and their offensive line has been really good this year. The fact that from a motivation standpoint, the fact that you're hearing all these rumors of Marshall and it lines up with just horrendous play to end the year, the fact that Buffalo they have some pro prospects on both sides of the ball that everyone is playing. That shows me that they still really care and want to win this game for Leopold. So that's what factored in to my decision here. I threw him in some money on our plays when we were like three and a half, four. The line is starting to get out of hand. I just want to avoid Marshall from a line value perspective. And your argument is completely valued. Full game fever. Catch it. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. All right, let's move on to Saturday. And we have two games. Because of the cancellation, we have two games at 3.30 somehow. They're not spread out, which is awful. And one at night. We'll get the Coastal Liberty shortly. Let's start the first responders bowl uh, in Dallas, 3.30 Eastern on ABC between Louisiana, the co-champions in the Sun Belt, along with Coastal Carolina. Uh, they are a 13.5-point favorite over UTSA. Meet me. Over under 57 and a half at BetMGM, the official house provider of the Action Network podcast. I'm really confident that the Roadrunners will care here. They're seven and four under Jeff Trailer in his first season, uh, and they're seeking their first bowl victory in program history in only their second appearance. And it would tie, you know, a win would tie the school record for wins in a season. So the UTSA is going to be motivated. Louisiana. And they didn't get to play the conference title game. They're playing the first responders bowl. Will they care here? I mean, you could argue, and I think that I would side with this, that they want to make a statement here. They, they feel like they got jobbed and, and the Sun Belt in general in the college ball playoff rate ratings. But to question motivation here is a near two touchdown favorite is fair. Louisiana's defense, they have some good players up front, Taylor Humphrey and, and Zion Hill, but it's really the secondary is where they have the star power. I mean, Braylon Trahan at safety is an absolute stud. I think he's PFF All-American. Uh, two other very good safeties, too, with him in Solomon and Butler. They have two good corners also in Garner and Gore. I mean, the pass is very good. Third and pass efficiency defense, uh, just outstanding from a coverage perspective. Now, the run defense, a little questionable, and they're 111th in line yard. So, Ken Sincere McCormick, one of the best running backs in college football, take advantage that's going to be the main question here. UTSA does have some players up front. Uh, their defensive line has been surprisingly good. You know, Madison, Haynes, Clayton, Dantzler and Wiley off the edge. They're 24th in line yards, 27th in stuff rate. Uh, so they've been pretty good up front, taking on Louisiana's offense with Levi Lewis, a pair of really good backs, Mitchell and Regis, and then, you know, rock-solid offensive line. Just a great offensive line. Osiris Torrance and Max Mitchell lead that group. So the question here is, motivation perspective does the Louisiana care enough I know UTSA will and then how much can the UTSA rushing attack exploit Louisiana's primary weakness because this is what you know it's kind of strength or weakness UTSA just wants to feed the ball to McCormick and that's how you can move the ball in Louisiana uh, what do you see here between Meat Meat and the Raging Cajuns well you can't get me too excited for a Marshall Buffalo game but this game has got me super excited. Uh, I love watching Meet Meep in a bowl. Uh, they should be, like Stuck said, heavily motivated. Uh, we don't know where Louisiana is going to come in, but know this. These two teams rush the ball 57% clip. They are a rush first offenses, and if you're looking for explosive running, look no further than UTSA. It's just, you know, Sincere McCormick, 
uh, has just posted unbelievable numbers the entire season, but also quarterback Frank Harris. Uh, I believe those two combined for 370 rushing yards and three rushing TDs against North Texas in their, in the, to end the season. Uh, I know it's North Texas defense, but this is just UTSA football. Uh, it's pretty fantastic from a ground standpoint. Louisiana been a little bit lucky maybe this season. We'll get into second-order win totals after the season's over, and and I've got one hell of a project to figure out if we're throwing out all the stats from this year and start from scratch with power ratings for next year. But Louisiana went 5-1 and one in one-possession games this year. That one loss coming to Coastal Carolina, the three-point loss that they took earlier. You know, UTSA 7-4, and four, they won their final three games. Uh, seven of their games came down to one possession. So when you see a two-score spread these are two teams that love to keep it within one possession all season long advantages for utsa are definitely in the trench stuck mentioned that louisiana is outside the top 110 and plenty of rushing defensive stats we're talking line yards 111 stuff rate 116th power success 124th if you're not familiar with those terms utsa is going to be able to run the ball anytime they want on any down and distance it doesn't matter what it is Louisiana defense is 87th in sack rate. They're not getting any pressure whatsoever on opposing quarterbacks. And UTSA, the offense, top 30 in finishing drives. Once they get past the 40-yard line, they're putting points up on the board. So I'd like UTSA to, to certainly hang around here. Uh, if I you was hoping at, you were going to convince me on Meet Me. I think the we whole tweet some is, Roadrunner gifts on Saturday. <laughs> the whole thing is is my my own projections are what's you know making me take a hammer to all this because I got it at – Louisiana minus 15 and you know that could just be a half point grading here and there and an advanced box score that has it off so I'm a point above the market right now as we record this uh and I I would I would really you know like to get over uh 14 here to to lay some money but if you look at the other side of the ball of Louisiana's offense uh they'll face a rush defense that really hasn't been too successful either uh except for the fact that they're top 25 in line yards or 24th in line yards UTSA is on defense but they're 61st in success rate. So what that means is, is they're, they're able to stop the run, but they're giving up a lot of first downs. Uh, and, and I think that's going to be the case here with Louisiana. I think they're going to have plenty of success running the ball. Uh, they do play better defense than Louisiana up against the red zone. They do play better defense when they're up against the 40-yard line. The big difference in this matchup also, which is also going to have me on UTSA, they're third in the country in special teams. And Louisiana is 77th. Big mismatch on special teams when it comes to these two teams. Uh, you know, I make the game exactly where the market is. I make it 15 with a total of 55. Uh, I want UTSA pretty bad. Uh, I imagine in some form or fashion, I'm going to be on the Roadrunners here. It's just a matter of when do I make the investment in the market. Yeah. I, there's. Do you have any thoughts on mo- potential motivation for Louisiana? where is Louisiana's head? We're co-champions. Our coach is leaving us. He's not leaving us. Uh, this is our final game. We could have been playing uh, against a power five opponent. We could have, you know, made a new year's six. Uh, we could have got our revenge against coastal. You didn't get any of that stuff. So do you have motivation if you're Louisiana to, you know, take a trip down I 30 and, and get to get to Massamuse campus and play at Gerald, uh, Gerald Ford's uh, stadium. That doesn't, scream confidence or excitement or something I would want to be doing the day after Christmas, especially playing a team, uh, you know, in UTSA. So I'll be looking for Louisiana motivation here. I can't imagine putting money behind Billy Napier for a long time after the decisions I've seen him make the past two years. So uh, yeah, meet me all the way here. And and I'm looking, uh, looking forward to getting into the market at some point on them. Yep. I agree with you. In these bowl games where I know once the underdog is going to be motivated and I don't know if the favorite necessarily is, and there's a a big matchup advantage that the underdog has. I have no problems taking two touchdowns. Historically, taking double-digit dogs in these bowl games has been profitable. Uh, If you go back 25, 30 years, uh, nothing crazy. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, I look forward to getting in on UTSA as well. I make the number slightly under two touchdowns. So, with the motivation, the matchup, um, I think it's a good spot to get us – on meet me, uh, a potential spot that if you guys call in to the voicemails, agree or not. <laughs> I think one thing going for us though is that we know that there's going to be a public appetite for Louisiana here. I can't imagine there being any kind of appetite from anybody that doesn't follow meet me. So I, I think there's going to be a heavy amount of money that could push us uh, into buy territory on UTSA. 
Seems like we're in agreement there. If you hate bowl games, go listen to NPR. Let's see if we're in agreement here. Let's stay in the same time slot, 3.30 Eastern on ESPN in Mobile, Alabama. We have the Lending Tree Bowl. We have Georgia State and Western Kentucky. Georgia State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite, over under 51-and-a-half. Bowl history, Georgia State's one and two in bowls with its only win coming over Western Kentucky, actually, back in 2017. Western Kentucky's four and two in bowls at the FBS level, including a win last year over Western Michigan. When I look at this match, I mean, Western Kentucky's offense is horrendous. Uh, I mean, it is next level bad. I I know that their quarterback, Bigram, who transferred from Maryland, he has nine touchdowns and no picks. Uh, No picks on the year, but uh, there's no explosiveness on his offense. His passing game is horrendous. Uh, They're only averaging 164 yards passing uh, per game. That's 112th in the nation, 5.4 yards per attempt. That's fifth lowest. So that's important because Georgia State's pass defense stinks. I mean, it is awful. They're allowing 285 yards per game through the air. It's 119th. It's just not good. Now, their run defense and their front seven is pretty good. Georgia State has actually some players. You know, you have McQueen, Carroll, Stevens. I I mean – Strachan and, and Willis off the edge. And they're getting two really important players back for this game that were out, I think, the past two. And, and Dante Wilson, he's their stud interior defensive lineman. And their, and their safety, Ant Lane, who's their best defensive back, they're back. And those are two of the better players in their defense. But the front seven is good. They're very strong up front. They're good against the run. They're only allowing 3.9 yards per rush. So I think that their defense can hold its own here because I don't trust Western Kentucky to move the ball through the air. That's basically what it comes down to. The Western Kentucky defense, you know, the Georgia State offense is pretty good. Look, they have a, a good quarterback, uh, Dustin Coates, running back, Pinkney at wide receiver, Carter at tight end, but their offensive line is so bad. They just can't block, especially run block. So I think Western Kentucky, that defensive front with Ricky Barber and D'Angelo Malone, they, I think, can hold their own up in the trenches. And, you know, Western Kentucky's pass defense, top 15 pass efficiency, good, two good safeties and Kincaid and Key. Uh, so I think Western Kentucky's defense will hold its own. I really like the under here. Unders are scary in Georgia State games um, and in bowls in general. But, uh, yeah, I think that from a matchup perspective, what you really worry about with Georgia State is their pass defense. This is a perfect matchup for them uh, against a really inept Western Kentucky passing offense. What do you see here in the lending tree bowl? Yeah, I mean, for I'll, I'll take it a bit further to saying that this is an underplay. I think this is a first half under and maybe a second half over. If you look at the last time these teams played, Western Kentucky hasn't played since November 21st. Georgia State hasn't played since November 28th. And I, and if you and, and it's really hard to make a case to back Western Kentucky here. I tried. I must have spent 90 minutes on this game trying to make a case for Western Kentucky, and and it was tough. They started the year 0-7 against the spread. They're now 2-7-1 and one against the spread, depending on what lines uh, uh, you might have gotten. But they ended the season against Florida Atlantic, Southern Miss, and FIU, and they were plus three in net turnovers. So it's tough. I mean, they, and by the time they play this game, it'll be, what, six weeks since they played? And Georgia State's three against the spread wins to end the season against App State, South Alabama, and Georgia Southern. That would tell me that they're on a roll. So I, I do like Georgia State like that. Both strength of schedules are outside the top 100, and Georgia State has a rush explosiveness advantage here, and I really think that that's where they're going to be able to get them. They're top 30 uh, in in rushing explosiveness, and they run the ball 59% of the time. Georgia State is a run-first team. They can pass, but they are a run-first team. And Western Kentucky's defense, while they are good in some areas, especially in pass coverage, they're not very good at defending chunk yards on the ground, 94th in defending rush explosiveness. So, that's where Georgia State's going to be able to eat at the table. Western Kentucky, though, here's the conundrum. Like, I, I'm saying all these great things about Georgia State, but there's two specific stats that are keeping me off the side in this game because it worries the hell out of me. One, Georgia State is 124th in the nation in tackling. That means anybody in open space is just getting arms thrown at them. They can run through all day. Western Kentucky's fifth in tackling. That is a monster gap. And you're D de- in the two defenses and the number of missed tackles that they have. Western Kentucky is going to be able to tackle you in open space. Georgia State has no shot. The other one, major advantage for Western Kentucky here in special teams. Western Kentucky is seventh in special teams. Georgia State is 84th. 
Special teams equals field position equals higher chances of scoring. I'm going to stay off the side. For me, these teams have not played in a long time. I think it's a first half under, and then I think you assess at halftime whether you're going to take a second half over. Yeah, good points there. I think I'm going to have to add a first half under uh, as well. So we're in agreement there. Now let's get to the bowl of the weekend. All right, we have two of our podcast favorite teams playing. We have Chance, Triple C Nation. And Liberty. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. I've said to these young people repeatedly, and I say it again, you are the hope of America. When you leave the graduation platform of Liberty, I want you to leave it running. Leave it running with a vision burning in your soul. In the Cure Bowl, Saturday night on ESPN in Orlando, Florida, at BetMGM, Coastal Carolina is a seven-point favorite, over under 59 and a half. Liberty's back in the Cure Bowl for a second straight year. They won their first ever bowl appearance at the Cure Bowl last year over aforementioned Georgia Southern. And these two teams, like, you know, you have some interesting storylines this weekend with some of these bowls. Marshall Buffalo used to be rivals in the MAC. These two teams used to be rivals in the Big South. Yeah, I think they're playing. They're playing for the first time since 2016. They were supposed to meet on December 5th, but it was canceled due to COVID. This is an important game to alumni. They used to be like big rivals in the Big South. It's really a shame that we have this matchup. I wanted. To, I mean, Coastal Carolina undefeated season. They beat BYU. Let's see them against the Power Five team. And why not throw Liberty against the Power Five team? But alas, it's kind of like sometimes in the NCAA tournament and you have these two like really intriguing Cinderella teams and the committee puts matches them together. It's very, always frustrating when that happens. But it should be a fun game. The coastal offense, I mean, they, they, if you look at the all, all Sunbelt for uh, first team and just, I mean, it's just all coastal players, but all, all, all Sunbelt first team quarterback, Grayson McCall, 23 touchdowns, two interceptions. He leads this spread triple option attack. I mean, it's he's run it to perfection this year as a freshman. And he ran in high school, which did give him a head start, ran a really similar system. If C.J. Marable at running back, Isaiah Likely at tight end, Javon Hiley at wide receiver, just really good offensive players. They have a really good guard in Trey Carter. So the offense has been great all year. The Black Swarm defense, you know, Tyron Jackson and Gunter on the edge. The Brewer up front, Silas Kelly and Teddy Gallagher, kind of their, their senior leaders at linebacker. It's a really experienced front seven that can get after the quarterback, I think, maybe as well as any group of five team in the nation. D. Jordan Strong's a good cornerback, spill him solid at safety. But this team does struggle against the run. 84th in line yards have struggled to defend the run. So the question is, can Liberty take advantage of that? And can Liberty uh, – Liberty is very vulnerable to pressure uh, on their offensive line. Uh, on that offense led by quarterback Malik Willis. Uh, you know, so the question here is, can Coastal's black swarm defense get after Willis enough to cause enough havoc where that you know, kind of leaky run defense doesn't really matter? And then the other side, Liberty also can get after the quarterback. Their secondary has been pretty good, but they're also vulnerable against the run. I think they're 121st in opportunity rate. That's a scary stack going up against Coastal Carolina. Uh, both defenses have, I think, are in the top 20 in pass efficiency defense. So it's uh, a very intriguing game for me. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I know Coastal Carolina will be fired up for this. They want to have an undefeated season. They want to show everyone, look, we should have – you could argue the other side too. This is all narrative-based, but you could say they are disappointed to be playing Liberty. But it's their old rival. It's on prime time on Saturday night. They're going for an undefeated season, uh, and I think they are going to have an edge to them. Does Liberty care? I I would think. You have sacrificed and labored for years to make this day a reality, and we are proud of you. Congratulations. But they did play in this bowl last year, and it's been a weird season of COVID for Liberty. So from a motivational standpoint, I worry – I think both teams will be fired up for this game, but I would worry a little bit more about Liberty than Coastal Carolina, if you put a gun to my head. You can make an argument for the other side. But Coastal, seven-point favorite here, over under 60. What do you see in this matchup? 
I think it's seven and a half. You got to buy Liberty. And I, I love Coastal, and I think they're going to win this game. And I think they're going to be hella fired up because they have a chance to go undefeated. <laughs> but listen, there there are advantages for Liberty in this game. You, I, whether Hugh Freeze is – I know Hugh Freeze is there, but it's, I'm sure he'll – I don't know if he'll be off on the sidelines answering his phone from everybody that wants him to come coach. You don't cuss. You don't drink. So what are your vices? I have been known to uh, to chew a bit of tobacco when I get a little tired or – watching film but the team is intact for liberty both these teams are heavy rush liberty runs 62 percent of the time coastal carolina runs 65 over 65 percent of the time and there are advantages there both of the defenses rank outside the top 60 and defending rushing success rate both of them give up explosive plays on the ground especially coastal they rank outside the top 100 and giving up chunk runs so that really plays into the hands of of liberty there and you know, one of the best things about Coastal Carolina's defense really has been the pass coverage, the passing. You know, they, they've been able to shut down a few passes in their time in the Sun Belt. They've been great at defensive finishing drives. You know, their line yards are only 84th defensively in line yards. And so I think it's just known that Liberty and Coastal are both going to be able to move the ball on the ground. Where the difference comes in is how great Coastal has been at time of possession. 119 in seconds per play. They love to drain the clock. They convert every third down, fourth down in the world. Uh, and when they have to go to the air, they can get it done. Now, this is a very successful Liberty passing uh, pass defense unit. They're 10th in the nation in pa- uh, defensive passing success rate. Uh, and they're 20th on defense and finishing drives. So I think that this is going to be a close game. I think seven and a half is a buy point for Liberty. I wouldn't mind tying Coastal Carolina into some uh, money line parlays, but I just think it's too many. I mean, I make the game three and a half. I think seven and a half is a result of what I've said every single week about this Coastal team. Sharps love them. Squares love them. Joes love them. Pros love them. Everybody loves Coastal Carolina, and I think it's priced that way. Uh, Total-wise, I I stick it at 62, so maybe a little bit under there. Uh, These are going to be two teams that run the ball heavy, and considering that Coastal takes their sweet time getting down the field, uh, converting third downs and making 15-play drives, I think there's actually a good case to be made for the under here. So uh, be looking out for that. I haven't made a final decision, but Liberty at seven and a half is the look. Anything, you know, if it, for some reason it's dropped down to uh, under six, I would, I would favor Coastal. Uh, and then I like the under in this game. It was only through prayer and divine intervention that this university has become what it is today. We want you to remember that always. Yeah, I, I've tied Coastal Moneyline into a few parlays. Uh, so I agree with you there. The You said you like the under? I do like the under a little bit. I make it 62, uh, but I really, look at this. Both of these two teams are high rush units and Coastal at 119 seconds per play, and they love to take 12 to 15 plays for a scoring drive. So for me, if that's the, if that's the formula for this game, that's an underplay. Yeah, both teams have been really aggressive on fourth down too, and they've been extremely successful. On fourth downs, I think they're what? They're both, they might be both up in the top 10 uh, at a high number of attempts. So you could see some regression there. You saw it, you know, a team like La Tech today, they were like one of the worst offenses in the country, but they were somehow finishing drives in like 16 of 18 on fourth downs. That regression, uh, if you were going to guess, you could see, you know, obviously they could go 10 for 10, but if you're going to guess, you could see some regression there in the fourth down department. That's all you need is a couple. Long drives, fourth downs, not converted. Um, yeah, and these are two rush-heavy teams. Now, the run defenses are a little questionable, um, but you'll have the clock yeah. running at least for a lot of this. And both teams are top 35 in defensive finishing drive. So if we get more field goals and touchdowns, that helps for an undercase too. Yeah, and, I, and both teams can get after the quarterback. So you could see some second or third down sacks that put teams really behind the sticks that force punts. So I don't hate that. Uh call as well if you don't bet on a bowl does the bowl even exist the nfl season is upon us and our friends at bet mgm sports are offering action network podcast listeners a great sign up offer just make your first deposit using the bonus code action pod and receive a hundred percent deposit match up to five hundred dollars 
They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. Um, all right, before we get out of here, let's do a quick three and out. It's going to be a really quick one because there's only five games and we covered them. First down, let me just do a quick reminder. That's what I'm going to use first down for. I'm going to be use, do a shameless plug. Take a, a second right now to go rate and review the podcast. Leave a five-star review. I, I will give away stuff to you guys and our, our producer. Yankees Yankees Tim left a uh, – love it. Love the podcast. Both informative, hilarious. Keep me interested. That's, that's literally all you need to do. Izzo is my hero. A lifelong degenerate. He always finds new ways to lose money. We, he says that we have helped him limit the damage that he would have caused himself. How about – Tybo 15G, UTEP Minor Nation call out, and uh, he appreciates our picks while keeping it fun. That's what we try to do. So just leave a review. It takes two minutes. It really helps us, too, in the rankings, and we'll give shit away. All right, second down, we will do our favorite play. So out of these five bowls, if you had to pick one, you could only bet one. Which would you bet? Uh, I'm going to go – I'm going to say the – Georgia State, West of Kentucky under. Uh, try to get 51. That's obviously a key number in totals, um, if you can. I still like it at 50 and a half, but obviously shop around and try to get 51 of a key number. Uh, but I, I just don't think that this Western Kentucky offense can exploit Georgia State's weaknesses on defense. And, and Georgia State's front seven is actually really solid. It's similar to Georgia Southern. Right? Georgia Southern has some weaknesses on the back end. Uh, Louisiana Tech didn't exploit that, and they couldn't. And I don't think Western Kentucky really can, too. And I think Western Kentucky's defensive front uh, can really help stall this Georgia State offense. So I'll take that under um, as my favorite play of these five weekend bowls. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to go with UTSA. I know I haven't made a play on it on the action app yet, but looking at Louisiana's trench numbers on defense, they can't stop heavy rush attacks. Uh, it's not uh, sincere McCormick. If you haven't laid eyes on this kid for UTSA, absolutely fantastic running the ball. We're talking Jared Patterson type stuff. Uh, their quarterback, Frank Harris, dual threat. He is just as explosive on the ground. They can, they can cover the 14. Uh, they can keep up with Louisiana on the ground. I know everybody thinks Louisiana is a superior team, but you know, they did face an easier schedule than UTSA. Louisiana just doesn't have it on defense to control the trench against these guys. So I love meet me. All right, and then third down, let's talk uh, just quickly Christmas, New Year's Eve plans. Christmas, I'm going up, I'm traveling actually. My wife and I are going up to see my, my parents who aren't in the best shape health wise. I don't know how many more Christmases I'll, I'll get uh, every year. So I, I want to go up and see them. We're not uh, having any big gatherings or anything. So I'm going up there for Christmas Eve, flying up and then coming back over the weekend. So just a short trip, New Year's Eve. Oh, it's a kind of amateur night. It's also my anniversary. Got married last New Year's Eve. Luckily we got in before 2020. So no big plans. It's amateur night for, for the most part. And there'll be college football on. So nothing crazy for New Year's Eve. How about you Christmas and New Year's month? Oh yeah. Christmas is going to be pretty, uh, pretty quiet. Uh, no big family get togethers. Uh, I got a couple teenagers. Uh, one of them's getting a uh, first ever PC because he wants to be a Twitch gaming streamer of Fortnite, call of duty i can't wait to get into that world but uh that's gonna be a pretty easy christmas just a really small group of us and then on new year's eve can he beat you in call of duty no no uh in Fortnite, yes uh but then if i did beat him he'd probably report me and all that other he gets he gets upset when he gets beat the the life of early teenagers these days uh no so for you ever let him win or do you oh do you no god no we play chess like we watched the queen's gambit on on netflix and fired up a couple games of chess and i just destroyed my two sons like as your as a father i mean sometimes you let them have the upper hand when they're like four or five and you're like arm wrestling or if you're wrestling in general like you let your kids build their confidence up but now that like my 
oldest is 14, I smash the shit out of him because you know what? It's a tough world and I need you to be ready. You're not getting any advantages anymore. So for New Year's Eve, uh, we're actually going down to Houston. We're going to make a drive from Oklahoma down to Houston. Uh, we have got tickets to... Woo Pig Suey! Absolute dumpster fire, dumpster fire. I don't know how we win a game the rest of the year. Just blow the program up. Give us a death sentence. Collins talking Razorback football. The Texas Bowl. So crossing my fingers that this doesn't get canceled. We got them pretty close behind the Razorback bench. We'll be there to, to cheer on our Razorbacks. And the way that the market's looking right now, I'll be pretty heavily invested in the Razorbacks. We'll have to see if I Frank's can. Frank just said he's going to play. Right. Yeah, Frank's, Frank should play because I think K.J. Jefferson might be done for the year, and this will be Frank's probably last college football game. Uh, if he doesn't extend his senior season, I don't know why he would with K.J. Jefferson. But big game for the Razorbacks. Return to bowl season for us. TCU is a very good, uh, high-quality team, but I project the game about three points lower than where it's at. So I really look forward on New Year's Eve to, to being in NRG Stadium, uh, having my mask on and, and having safe distance and while my family and I get to enjoy our first sporting event since, boy, I can't even think of maybe a Razor, maybe a Bud Walton Arena basketball game back in January. I mean, it's been a really long time since I've been to a live uh, event, so I'm looking forward to it. Sounds good. Well, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's to you and to everyone listening. Uh, Stay safe out there. May you have a profitable Christmas weekend. We will be back on, don't forget about the voicemail. Check out my Twitter at Stucky2 for the number. If you want to, uh, whatever, say anything, bitch, cry, scream, yell. Thanks for listening. We will be back on Monday with the Bulls for next week, during the week. Uh, a lot to get to. Then motivation is really going to come into play. Opt-outs are going to get some more of these Power 5 conferences playing. I look forward to diving into those matchups. Don't forget, rate, review, subscribe. Unsubscribe, subscribe. You know the drill. Tell a friend, tell an enemy. We appreciate you guys listening. Looking forward to bringing in some winners into the new year and then throughout 2021. Appreciate all of your support. Uh, happy holidays, and we'll catch you all later. Cheers. Peace out. It's the most wonderful time. Yes, the most wonderful time. Oh, the most wonderful time of the year. We're finished talking.